Hello and welcome to That Adult Feel, a new podcast for your 20s. Your 20s are an odd time in your life. You're out of college, you're not really into your career yet, you probably haven't started a family, you feel like you are old enough for responsibilities, but not yet old enough for respect. It's an in-between feeling for those in-between years of your life. And this podcast is about those years. This week, we will be talking about millennials, how companies attempt to market to millennials, how every headline involving the word millennial is generally against us, and we'll attempt to define what a millennial actually is, since no one seems to know. We'll have all that and more after this short break, so stick around. host today. My name is Jez. I am 26 years old. I am a librarian and general all-around responsible adult. If you know me and if you are here, you probably follow my blog howtogrowthefuckup.com where I give advice to teens and 20-somethings about how to become adults. So since the last episode, I have bought my own beautiful new microphone. It's a Samson Meteor. It's very tiny, but it's very shiny. And hopefully we will not have any of the problems that I had with the last podcast. And if you're hearing me now, I really hope that it is clear and does not sound like I'm inside of a tin can. I will preface this by saying that, again, my voice is not quite what it should be. It is so humid outside that I cannot breathe. So immediately before starting this podcast, I took a hit from my inhaler and I feel like it shows in my voice. So I apologize for that. At some point, I will get my voice in order and get my recording in order as well. But unfortunately, these are the first few episodes of a brand new podcast, and these are hurdles we must jump over. This week, we are talking about millennials, that oft-used term that is thrown around by older generations about anyone that seems to deal with technology, is young, or understands things that you don't quite comprehend. We have been blamed for bringing down the economy, for ruining the housing market, for changing the length of church sermons, and for generally ruining the entire world around us. But keep in mind, those of us in our 20s, we will soon be taking over this world. If that is a fear to you right now, this is not the podcast for you. This podcast is for those of you who may consider yourself millennials who are already in your 20s. So this week I am joined by my friend Mike Egan. He is a YouTuber, he works in communications, and he is in his 20s. He is a millennial. So let's dive right in. Okay, yes, we are going. So if you want to introduce yourself, uh, give us your name, uh, your age, because it actually matters for this podcast. <laughs> and a brief description of who you are and what you do with yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike Egan. I am 22 years old, which is still weird to say. I don't know how to describe myself. I'm an internet person. I'm trying to be a filmmaker. I do a lot of video blogging. I have a YouTube channel, that sort of thing. So uh, 
a lot of video stuff. That's me. So I believe I mentioned this to you before, but you are the youngest person I have set up to be a guest so far. Yes. So how are your 20s going so far? Uh, pretty good. I, yeah, I like, I like the direction they're taking so far. I uh, have a long way to go, a very long way to go. There's many <laughs> years of, of 20s ahead of me. So uh, I don't feel too bad about a lot of the things that haven't started moving so much yet. I mean, I just graduated college, so... You have time. Yeah, plenty of time. Do you notice a difference from your teens? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh, yeah, how do, how do you describe <laughs> that change? Just growing up in general has been, like, a real exercise in becoming a calmer person. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a lot calmer than I used to be, and I've always considered myself pretty chill, but... You're like, a pretty chill guy. <laughs> um, thank you, yes. I assume so. Um, but, like, I'm not as hard on myself as I used to be, I don't think, and I'm a lot more laid mm -hmm. back about a lot of things. That's so important. I think that's something that everyone needs to learn growing up, is just you can't set such high goals for yourself and then get mad when you don't reach them, mm -hmm. especially when you're young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's important to to pace your expectations when you're a young person because not a whole lot can happen for you when you're a young person unless you're extremely lucky but for the most part it's we all have very very similar experiences of childhood into teenagehood into adulthood because that's part of our generation which is what we're talking about today indeed <laughs> nice segue thank you all right so first off do you consider yourself a millennial uh boy <laughs> i i mean i guess <laughs> um uh, according to the definition of the totally real word millennial, <laughs> then I am. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I self-identify as a millennial. I wouldn't introduce myself to someone as a millennial. You don't want to put that on your business card. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> if only, uh, if only because in like ten years I would have to print new business cards. Is okay. Well, I guess that's a question <laughs> I have. Is millennial a term that it's like a Gen X or a Gen Y that like that's always going to define us according to when we were born, or is it an age thing? This is the confusing part, and this is why I don't understand yeah. where this term came from. Is that really how we're defining millennials? <laughs> is we're taking part of Generation Y and part of mm -hmm. Generation Z and just kind of combining them into this new thing, which is why no one can come up with a definition. Which, I mean, actually kind of a good move, because where do you go after Generation Z? Do you start at Generation A again? They obviously did not think that through. Yeah, no. Good job, guys. I think we can blame the baby boomers for that, actually, because Gen X did not name yeah. themselves. Right, right, right. Which I don't feel like we did either. No, we did not. <laughs> Who, I want to know who coined the term millennial and for what purpose. Some research paper that was yeah. like, we need a name for the group of people that we want to prove are destroying their brains with phones. Well, I think most of it came about is the vague definition is you came to adulthood or adolescence at the millennium, at the year 2000. Right. But then how do you define adolescence? Yeah. Like, if you're just alive in 2000, who knows? Yeah. In 2000, I was... was you were I? young. <laughs> I was seven in, t in the year 2000. Yeah. I was 11. But then some of these definitions say coming of age around the year 2000. But then you look at the years that they pick. The Pew Research Center has it 1981 to 1997. If you're born in 1997, mm -hmm. you're only three years old in 2000. <laughs> yeah. 
You're you're still working on like forming memories. Yeah. So I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know if I would go by that. Um, the other definitions I saw, they're all more or less the same for when they start. NPR puts mm-hmm. it at 1980, Pew has it 1981, and some other places had 1982. We can safely say early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of Gen Y, though. Right. That that does seem pretty far back. Because that starts the end of the 70s, really. Yeah. Anything before that is Gen X. Where it ends is the real tricky part. So we've got 2000, <laughs> 1997, 2004, and then um, earlier today, I asked on Twitter what people think uh-huh. millennials are, and <laughs> I got all kinds of things. <laughs> I get up to like 1998, um, things later than that. I had one person say, like, people born after like 1995. Oh. Which geez. is Generation okay. Z. Yeah. That at least I feel comfortable saying, you are definitely not a millennial. You're younger than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I always just kind of assumed millennial to mean, just from osmosis, just from reading it in different places, was like someone who is in their 20s right now or like about to be in their 20s. Yeah, I kind of took it as like, you're in your 20s or your 30s. Yeah. The people that are just getting out of college, starting their careers, starting a family, like just starting to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's become such a buzzword that now the baby boomers use it to refer to anyone younger than them. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyone that knows technology. Um, yes. Anyone they don't understand, which is exactly what they did with Gen X. Yeah, that seems to be the purpose, is so that old people can differentiate <laughs> themselves from, from us. <laughs> yeah, a lot of places just use it as a synonym for Generation Y, because I guess Generation mm. Y wasn't as catchy. Yeah, Generation X sounds great, but Generation mm-hmm. Y not so much. All right, so millennials are often shamed in the media, uh-huh. and it's become yes. sort of a negative word that it's used against us more than in our favor. We've been called self-centered and vain. Uh, Time magazine referred to us as the me generation. Yes. Other places called us the selfie generation. Do you feel like there's any truth to any of this? I want to say no, because I really hate that argument that's so pervasive right now, which is like, oh, we're all like tied up in our phones and we're disconnected from mm-hmm. the real world and we're not doing anything real. But at the same time, like, I don't want, I find myself not wanting to identify as a millennial. So maybe, like, <laughs> there's some subconscious truth that I, that I feel to that. But, like, cognitively, I feel like, no. I mean, for me, I feel like I need to distance myself from that word a little bit. I know I fall mm-hmm. within that range. But if it were up to me, I would choose Generation Y, even though it doesn't sound as cool, just because yeah. it hasn't been used in the media everywhere. There's no connotations. Yeah, in terms of um, being like self-centered, I don't feel like that's a thing. I think that was something that was ascribed to us that isn't necessarily true. I feel like we're more yeah. connected and care more about social issues than any generation before us. Absolutely, yeah, I would agree with that. Like you were saying with always being on our phones, I don't see that that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely not at all. We may not be completely connected to what's immediately next to us, but while we're on the train, we could be talking to someone on the other side of the world. Exactly, yeah. That's that's always what I bring up. Like, when you're looking at it from the outside, you just see someone with their face in a screen. But 
if you actually take the time to discover or think about what that person could be doing, it's like, uh, for me, I'm probably talking to my best friend, Ollie, who lives in New York. Like, I'm doing mm -hmm. that constantly. I'm talking to another human being, and that's very important to the both of us. Like, I could be texting, and I could be texting three different people. Right. And I could have conversations with, you know, a friend in Kansas and a friend in Georgia and someone even just across town that I don't get to see very often. Before us, it was always, like on sitcoms in the 60s, there's always the stereotype <laughs> of the young person is always tying up the phone line. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we have texting and uh, <laughs> messaging apps of the like. It's, it's, always, it's always just communication. We just want to talk to other people. We're just trying to make connections with other people. It's not that we're trying to switch off from our reality or like that we're trying to play Candy Crush for three hours, even though we <laughs> might do that. But it's usually, it's always about connection. It's about communication. You just reminded me of a scene from The Brady Bunch where Jan is on the telephone, and they have a little egg timer. Oh, my God. And they had to flip it over, and she kept changing it so it looked like her time uh -huh. hadn't run out. And I'm just thinking, like, God. that's not even possible in this day and age. Like, Yeah. We don't have regular phone conversations to begin with. And right. I'll talk on the phone with my friends sometimes, but for the most part, it's texting, tweeting, Tumblr, Facebook, email. Right now we're on Skype. Yeah. It's, it's like it's not uh, multiple conversations anymore. It's just one big continuous conversation that just doesn't yes, end. Absolutely. Especially with social media. You could put something out there, and even if you think only your you know, four friends that follow you are going to respond to it, that message is still out there for anyone to respond to. And you can make new connections with new people that you never knew before just because yeah. of a thing you said, whether or not you were conscious of the fact that that person would ever see it. Yeah, I mean, that's actually how I've made quite a few of my friends is just online. Yeah. My friends that I've known the longest, I met them about 12 years ago on a forum doing role play. Wow, yeah, that's kind of how it happens for us now. All right, so I think the term millennials was really invented for advertising. Okay. That they tried to find a name to give to this amorphous new generation that no one knew how to market to. Mm -hmm. So they tried to boil us down to a specific thing. How do you feel about companies that are trying to market specifically to millennials? Yeah, man. Okay, so I have a story to go along with this. So I, I intern at this video production place downtown, and one day I was uh, along for a shoot at McCormick Place. There was this, um, like, finance convention, I guess, going on. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand money. Our camera crew was helping this one reporter do interviews with all the various vendors there, I guess. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that they left for the end was he asked every single person, well, what is your company doing to reach out to millennials? And every time that question was asked, I just felt really gross. <laughs> Did they all look at you while they thought about their answer? God, yeah. <laughs> no, but I felt like they were. I was like, yeah, that's that's me, and I have no interest in your company whatsoever. But <laughs> What were the kind of answers they gave? I think, well, for the most part, it was like, oh, well, our, our online offerings, and, you know, we're mm -hmm. developing a mobile app. So it was all about technology and, and having uh, apps and new ways to interface. I feel like that's a pretty good response. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. we definitely are more in touch with the digital world than any other generation before us. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather use a company's website than talk to someone on the phone. Oh, yeah. Me too. 
And if they have yeah. social media, even better. <laughs> I found that's the quickest way to get anything done. If I have a complaint, I skip the support page and I go directly to their Twitter. Uh-huh. And I have someone in live time that will take care of it for me. And sometimes they still send me to a support page, but uh-huh. it's already in their system. I know someone has looked at it. I know someone's taking care of it. And a lot of times they've sent me free stuff. Really? Yeah. I. Well, sometimes I'm not even directing it directly at the company. I'll just make a complaint uh-huh. online and they'll see it. I had a couple of cans of soup that went bad before the expiration date, which mm. honestly I think was my fault. I'm pretty sure they got frozen in my storage unit. But I complained about it, just saying, like, oh, I should have been able to eat these. And Campbell's Soup is like, oh, let's fix that for you. And they sent me coupons for, like, a ton of free wow. soup. Jeez. And McDonald's has given me coupons when um, they've messed up my order because I would complain that I was late for work because someone messed up my order and I didn't even get to eat lunch. Wow. It's nice that I get a response <laughs> like that. Yeah. No, it's definitely nice. But isn't does that strike you as incredibly strange (laughs) that they're paying attention to me or (laughs) yeah well like when it's not specifically directed at them uh in some ways being someone that works in social media i'm constantly searching for mentions of us on social media because people don't always tag us in anything but we still want to know what the community is saying uh if anything is you know a problem or if they're just happy with us it's really nice to retweet those out and get some good publicity Sure, yeah. So I I know that they have all kinds of searches set up already where they're just probably tracking tags or something. And every now and mm-hmm. again, if I am at, I will just put an at sign in front of them and see if someone's <laughs> going to respond to me. Just because I want yeah. someone to apologize to me, even if it wasn't the person that did something wrong. <laughs> right. So maybe I am right. a little bit self-centered in that respect. <laughs> So if I have the option to do something online, I'm going to take advantage of it, whereas I'm probably not going to walk into the store and do the same thing. The kind of person who would do that on Twitter isn't the same kind of person who would storm back into the McDonald's screaming Mm -hmm. about how they were late for work. Yeah, and I kind of like that even though I am complaining, I am more or less protecting the anonymity of the employee that messed up. Sure, yeah. It's like, yeah, you you messed this up, but I don't want to get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to vaguely mention this on social media. And I'll, right. at some point, I'll have to say which store it is. But there are so many employees there. Who knows who did it? <laughs> right, yeah. That is true. Although, they could geotag, check the geotag <laughs> on your tweet to find out what store it was. And then check the timestamp on your tweet to see who <laughs> was working what shift. Yeah, they could do all that. <laughs> I don't think they are. <laughs> you don't think they're putting that kind of time in? No, I think they just pass it Probably off to right. the franchise. You're like, hey, just send her yeah. a coupon. Maybe she'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's and way it, easier to just send this person free food. We make a billion dollars yes. a minute. You were saying, like, we market on mobile sites. I think that's mm-hmm. something that is definitely for us. And I think about not just in the U.S., but in other countries... There are a lot of people that have just completely skipped desktop versions. They don't own a personal computer. They just went straight to a smartphone. Because you need a phone. You need to stay connected. You can take that anywhere. Why need anything else? (laughs) They're powerful enough on their own. It's basically, at this point, a supercomputer that just happens to have a phone function. There's a really good line in Community where Britta is calling, and they're like, she was born in the 80s. She still uses her phone as a phone. 
And I think about that that. sometimes because I will use my phone as a phone. My parents especially call instead of text. But even for my friends, sometimes I'll call just because I'm driving and I I don't want to wait till I get home. But Mm -hmm. my siblings will never call their friends. To them, their phone, the word phone has nothing to do with vocal communication. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. My mom was uh, working as a nanny for this one family. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day she was going through like this match the word to the picture thing with the oh, one yeah. kid. And one of the words was telephone. And the kid was looking and looking and she was like, it's not here. Because it was like a, a corded like Yeah, what are those dial. anymore? <laughs> yeah. She, she never saw one of those. She didn't know what it was. It was the strangest thing. Because things change so differently, I'm trying to think where you were at with what phones looked like when you were a child. I mean, growing up, we had, you know, corded wall-hanging phones. Okay. And that was definitely a thing in my house. We had the cord phone in the kitchen, and that was the house phone. Everyone used that Mm -hmm. same phone. And then my dad had the uh, Nextel walkies. Oh, man. You remember those with the chirp and everything? Yeah, yeah. We never had those, but I I remember that chirp. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. For a while, that was that was the thing. That was the way to stay in touch. That's how you knew someone was cool and that they were probably working in business somewhere. Yeah. That was a successful person. Yeah. Well, as soon as you saw that belt clip, you knew. Going back to advertising, do you have any advice to any of the marketers trying to reach out to millennials? What sort of things would appeal to you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what some of my favorite ad campaigns have been. Because for the most part, they just make you sick. I guess, I don't know, I mean, there are companies that are really good at their social media. I don't know how much I've experienced this firsthand, but I hear that Taco Bell is pretty great on Twitter. Yes, they're pretty good. DiGiorno Pizza is very good. (laughs) Are they? Okay. Yeah. I actually follow DiGiorno Pizza now just because I want to say it was during a Super Bowl and I really enjoyed uh-huh. their tweet. I want to follow these for the rest of the game. And then I just kept following them because it was so amusing. That's so weird. And that, that's their goal. That's an ad campaign that perfectly worked. They, You are following a brand now. Are you a, a brand loyalist? A lot of the time I am, yeah. I'll find a brand of thing that I particularly like, like a brand of headphones, and I'll keep trying to buy that brand of headphones. I have seen completely polar opposites for business <laughs> articles about millennials is some say that they are only brand loyalists. Like if you have them, you have them for life and they will never try anything new. And then Mm -hmm. there are these ones that say, millennials don't care about brands at all. They just want the newest thing, no matter what it is. You need to constantly be changing things because you have to constantly impress them because they don't care about your brand. And I feel like that's how most millennial articles are. You see just polar Mm -hmm. opposites on every single topic. Yeah, everyone is entirely this or everyone is entirely the opposite of this that's the important thing to note about millennials is we are all exactly the same we are all perfectly unified in (laughs) our feelings and opinions and no two people are are very different from each other yeah we're completely interchangeable we are the pink slime of human (laughs) generations for me i would say i am definitely a brand loyalist if you can impress me and if you give me good customer service and a good product I will Mm -hmm. absolutely go to you first. Like, personally, for all of my electronics, they're all Apple. I started out with a MacBook, and now I have an iPhone and an iPad because I like the product. I think it's worth it. I've had a Mm -hmm. lot of terrible experiences with other products. And in terms of technology, I like that they're so connected. 
Yeah, and I mean, Apple especially is a great example of a brand loyalty story. Someone who was born into the Apple ecosystem, like people who grew up on Apple IIs, they will be using Apple products for their entire life and never give a second thought to it. No. Personally, I've, we grew up on Windows right. and I don't know, I just, I've never used, I've never owned an Apple product <laughs> and not that I'm against them. The thing about Apple products is that they just work. Yeah. And that's why they, they tend, they tend to be <laughs> very expensive because that's the price that it actually costs to make something work well. Right. But yeah, no, that the, the Apple story makes a lot of sense to me. See, I grew up with all Windows products, but because we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, we were constantly mm -hmm. buying whatever the cheapest thing was. Yeah. And then we were constantly buying things over and over because they were cheap and they fell apart or we got terrible right. viruses or yes. we were just so far behind everyone that we couldn't do the things we needed to do. So when it came time for me to buy my own personal laptop, which honestly was not until I started college, I recently guested on a podcast and I was talking um, to the host, Josh, about his daughter, who's 11, and she just got a, a smartphone. At 11. <laughs> I didn't even have a cell phone until I was 15. Yeah, same, actually, same age. Like, I was in high school, so I didn't have my own laptop until I was in college, and it's really strange mm -hmm. to me that there are, like, five-year-olds with their own laptops and tablets. No, I feel the same. It's really weird to see that. But that's an advantage that they're going to have. Like, they use the word millennial, but at this point, they mean mm -hmm. Generation Z. They're talking about right. children, saying right. how they're too connected to their devices. But those mm -hmm. kids are going to be far more connected to the world than any of us were, even using yeah, technology absolutely. now as we do. They're going to have better access to education. They're going to have instant access to any information. They're probably going to be a little bit safer because when I was in high school, we kept 35 cents in our pocket for a payphone. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Which those definitely do not exist anymore. <laughs> Communication is just instant and always. And these kids are going to have such an easy time adjusting to any new technology that comes. It's like how we grew up with the web and with mm -hmm. desktop interfaces. And so it's like when someone, I'm speaking specifically about helping my mother use the computer now. That's why it's so frustrating to, to help them figure out the internet because it's just intuitive for us. It's like we know what mm -hmm. to try and what not to try and we speak that language. And so these kids now are even a step ahead of us. If they haven't already. Just growing into the touchscreen mm -hmm. generation of, of technology. And then they'll grow up with whatever is after this. Uh, teaching adults is a very interesting situation because for me, I'm helping people with technology all day long. I just spent about right. 40 minutes helping someone with their tablet because they upgraded to Windows 10. It's weird because I'll just start clicking on things because I'll know... Like, okay, this might do the trick, and I'll just try yeah. things. Whereas they're terrified to try anything unless they know it's going to right. work. Because they think they're going to yeah. break something. Yeah. Whereas we're more risk takers, I suppose. We learned by doing. We weren't afraid of breaking the computer, either because mm -hmm. we didn't know that fear, or just because, <laughs> you know what, we didn't buy the computer, so. Or we know enough to be like, well, this, this will probably work. This isn't going to do any major harm. Yeah. But we also just find things by trial and error. When I'm working all the time, my older coworkers would be like, well, how did you find that? I'm like, I just did a search for it, or I just yeah. started clicking on things to see what would happen. You just tried it, yeah. It's interesting, though, that even though the generations before us are more likely to communicate with someone face-to-face, -face, 
we're probably more likely to ask questions. If we don't know something, yeah. we'll, we'll search it or we'll tweet it out and see who knows this answer. We kind of crowdsource everything. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Whereas everyone else before us, crowdsourcing was not an option. It wasn't an option, first right. of all, because of technology. But also, they would just be more likely to seek out one specific person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, like I run this blog and I have people ask me any question possible. <laughs> Things you would not even imagine. They just right. send out to the stranger on the internet and expect them to yeah. solve all their life's problems. Because it's it's there, and that's the model we grew up in, where that's what works. That's what yeah. we see others do, and the supply is there, and so the demand is just going to crop up to meet it. And I think with that, and with technology being what it is, I think we're the first global generation. That before, generations, even though you know people obviously were born at the same time, they didn't necessarily have the same experiences. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about as generations with like the silent generation and the baby boomers and Gen X, they're all actually pretty specific to America and the American experience. Yeah. Depression era is probably an even better right. example. That was a thing that happened to America. Right, yeah, that's very specific to us. And the experiences that came out of that were American, yet we treat them as if it were a universal experience. Yeah, there was, no one was blogging during the depression, <laughs> reaching out to see how the rest of the world was doing. Whereas now, like, I have friends in England, and we have very similar experiences just because we're visiting the same websites, we're watching the same TV shows or movies, that everything is in a global context now. Yeah, that's really interesting how technology keeps doing that. It just makes the world smaller and smaller. Yeah, really. <laughs> just for fun, I searched the word millennial and read a bunch of news articles last night. Oh, man. You had a good time. This is not the first time I've done this. I feel like I do this every now and again just for different reasons. <laughs> uh, I was recently put in charge of all of our programming for 20 and 30-somethings. Mm -hmm. So I was doing yeah. research on millennials to see what kind of programs would interest them. I found a lot of interesting <laughs> articles there. <laughs> Sometimes I just see them in passing. And then last night, I just read the headlines that interested me most that were posted within the last, like, two days. There was already, mm -hmm. like, five pages worth of articles. Jeez. This one, I really, I love the title. It's called Five Money Tips for Pessimistic Millennials. I'm like, <laughs> you understand me already. <laughs> you get how I deal with money. Pessimistic yes. right there. Pessimistically. But the more I was reading it, I don't know, it kind of actually did make sense. Um, I believe this was St. Louis Today. They were saying that 28% of millennials are less comfortable taking risk with their finances because they grew up at the time of the recession. They saw sure. how money affected their parents. A lot of them were just getting out on their own, and especially the people that were in college or graduating, their degrees were almost useless at that point. Yeah. Um, and that says 71% of millennials prefer to play it safe with investments, even at the risk of lower returns in the long run. And that most of us agree that there are gonna be more financial crises. But that was not a one-time thing. Wow. <laughs> that is incredibly pessimistic, yeah. I mean, it's right there in the title. They knew what they were talking about. But as I'm reading the descript the answers for this, especially seeing, you know, how things were in 2007, 2008, when we were really starting to pay attention, and I graduated high school in 2007 mm -hmm. at the time of the recession, 
like it makes perfect sense to me that yeah it's not just because I'm poor it's because I've always been poor and I saw what the economy can right. do yeah I feel the yeah. same way about that like it's hard to disconnect yourself from your experience I guess mm -hmm. and think about how like another generation had a different financial experience not just personally but like economically overall with the way that the national economy was doing like kids in the 80s probably had a completely different experience and felt completely differently about their finances than we do. Oh, absolutely. Um, your parents are in Gen X, right? Yes. Okay, yes. My, par my parents are Gen X. It's interesting because I would say about a year ago, we had someone come to the library and give like a day long in service on the different generations what the traits of them are, how they work in the workplace, mm -hmm. and how to work between them. And I came home with this big packet, and I started reading off to my mom, here are the traits of Gen X. It was weird how many kind of actually made sense. But yeah. part of Gen X is that they rebelled against um, the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So baby boomers grew up at another time of financial instability, where right. they would keep jobs forever, and they would you know, really be working but they were also less likely to take financial risks, but they needed to yeah. be safe with their money. And then Gen X grew up in a time of plenty, where for most of them, the economy was sound, and they're going to take some risks. They're going to go out and just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Right. And then we did the opposite, because we saw what our parents were doing. We're like, that seems really irresponsible. <laughs> we want to keep hold of our money. We barely have any of it. So we're less likely to make any kind of investment. We're going to be the generation that starts stuffing money in our mattresses again. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing that back. Yeah. Except that none of us carry cash. <laughs> yeah, no, God, I hate cash so much. Just seems really inconvenient and maybe even less safe. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely inconvenient. I mean, yeah, I guess it's less safe, but like if somebody steals your credit card, they can just use that too. Yeah, but I feel like I can then call the credit card company and get them to freeze it. Yeah. Whereas I can't yeah, call have, the U.S. Treasury and be like, hey, you need to cancel that <laughs> <Right>. bill. <laughs> you need to cancel the following serial numbers. Because we memorized all of them. Yes, yes. That's a, a thing that we all have to start doing now. I feel like I've I've been hearing and I've definitely read this somewhere that we well I mean obviously we're getting we're getting married later and later in life if mm -hmm. at all and we're also um, living at home for longer. Oh yeah, much longer. Uh, we're staying at home really into our thirties, or we leave and we come back. Right. Which I have done. Both of my sisters have done. We've yeah. moved out. We've done okay for a little while, and then things change and you're back home. And then for the marriage thing, that's something I find interesting. Because for a while, you saw all these articles about how millennials are not getting married, they're rebelling against the traditional family, no one wants to settle uh -huh. down and have kids. And then right. you look at the recent statistics and it's like, no, people actually are getting married at the same rate that baby boomers were. Oh, really? That we're kind of sticking to what was normal. It's just that we huh. have different definitions for what a relationship should look like, what a traditional family is. Yeah. We don't care about that. We're still getting married. It's just that we're getting married later. I recently read Aziz Ansari's um, Modern Romance. Oh, nice. Which is a fascinating read. It's all about how romance has changed over generations and how it exists now in the digital world. Is it is it good? It's so good. The audio cool. is fantastic. <laughs> it's read by him, of course. Oh, cool. Okay. But part of it was that in 
the digital world in our generation as it is now, we have infinitely more possibilities than our parents and especially our grandparents. That people tended to marry people that were born in the same town as them. Yeah, sure. Because what else did they know? <laughs> you married someone that lived across the street or down the street or yeah. even within your building. <laughs> that seems very narrow now, yeah. It does. It, we both came from the same hometown. More, well, we lived in the same town for a long yeah. time. That's a pretty right. small town. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, yes. If that was our entire dating pool, we'd have very few options. Well, yeah. <laughs> we went to the same high school, and that's overcrowded. And even just containing it to the high that. school. Yeah. That's, that even seems that, like nothing <laughs> at all. It's not enough people. <laughs> For a time, I, uh, I was in a, a long-distance relationship with this girl in, who lived in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And like explaining that to my parents, and like <laughs> I like I, I flew out there to visit her, and that was getting them to be okay with that. I don't know that I ever did that, but yeah. it's a thing that happened, and they probably found it incredibly strange. Like there's the whole whether or not it's explicitly verbalized. There's the mm-hmm. whole idea of like, well, what's wrong with the people that are here? There are plenty of people right. who are in Illinois. And it's like, that's, no, that's not the point. But it's not the person I want to be with. They're not, they're not interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I'm not going to force myself to, to like someone just because they're closer to me. Right. I mean, there's a certain advantage if, to being near someone, but if the sure. people you're near are not who you want to be with, then why limit yourself? We don't have to settle for that. And yeah. I find that it's the same thing with friendship. I had very few actual physical friends in college mm-hmm. uh, because I would just be talking to people online all day, and I felt like that was okay. And it is. It, that's how I know most of my friends, even the people that are close to me. Like, I could drive to your yeah. house, but right. I'm more likely to talk to you online. Yes. Yeah. Okay, if we think about this like a file folder on your computer... It's more fulfilling, personally, to find people when you sort by interests and personality types than Mm -hmm. when you sort by proximity. Which I think is probably why other generations have such a high divorce rate. Oh, sure. Yeah, they just... That's who was there. That's who I was dating when I was 18. That's who I married. (laughs) Therefore. Whereas we're waiting longer because our dating pool is so much larger... It actually does Mm -hmm. make dating harder, uh, which I have a whole other podcast. I could talk about that for a long time. (laughs) Uh, But it makes dating harder, but we're more likely to settle down with someone whose interests match our own, whose lifestyle is similar, Mm -hmm. someone we really want to be with. So we wait longer because it takes us longer to get there. It doesn't mean we're not going to marry. And maybe some of us don't want to marry. Right, yeah, that's fine too. Uh, The thing that is true about millennials, though is that we are considerably less likely to buy a house. Okay. Which also makes sense, because unlike you, the majority of us are buried in student loans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I am a very lucky individual. You really are. But I was reading another article that because of student loans, even millennials who make $50,000 a year still Mm. won't be able to buy a house for at least nine more years. Jesus. It's incredible. It's 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 just it's ridiculous how long it takes people to pay off their loans, not through any fault of their own, but mm-hmm. because that's that's the system we live in. Yeah, that's the system. 
it does affect other parts of the economy, especially the housing right. market. Like yeah. there was the housing bubble and it burst and we had the recession and I can confirm that houses are selling again because my father is a house inspector. He's like beyond busy and can barely keep yeah. up. He's booked like two, three weeks out. So people are definitely buying houses. Yeah. But the economy itself is still coming back very slowly because mm -hmm. they were banking on the younger generation being able to afford a house and getting it right. immediately like previous generations did. But we're growing up in a completely different economy. Right. If we come out into the world and we're already in the red, that's not going to happen. So we've been blamed for ruining the housing market, even though it yeah. was kind of ruined before we got there. Sorry, everybody. Sorry about that. I'm just looking at all the articles that blame millennials for different things. <laughs> I found this fascinating and somewhat hilarious. The Baptist Church put up an article about how um, people were blaming millennials for shorter sermons. <laughs> sure. Okay. Go this on. is yet another thing. They're like, yeah, we have to give shorter sermons because millennials grew up on video games and have no attention span now. Oh, Jesus. And there was this whole like backlash against millennials in the church. And then mm -hmm. they did some research and it turned out it was the senior citizens that were submitting all of the requests <laughs> for shorter sermons. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> There's like, what else can we add to the list of things that we have done wrong? Yeah, what have we screwed up already before mm -hmm. before turning 40? Yeah. And not really having done anything of influence. I mentioned someone came to the library and talked about how to work with different generations. Those are the things mm -hmm. I find very interesting because most of the time they are true. Some of the stuff they say about millennials is ridiculous, though. There was an article in Entrepreneur earlier this week that said um, most millennials will leave a job after a year or even less, that they just constantly job hop. Okay. I can see the advantage of that if the job is really terrible. Yeah. But I think, um, I mean, in my own experience, I'd rather just stay somewhere I like. Sure. Rather than have to deal with job hunting. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Looking for a job is it's, terrible. Why would we constantly want to do that? Yeah. And then I think especially from the questions I get from young teens, I think they completely understand that you need to stay at a job for a while, you need to put in your time, you need to build uh -huh. up your experiences before you can go anywhere else. I think, I feel like that's something that a lot of us learn from our parents. I think actually our parents were probably more likely to job hunt, to yeah. jump around and constantly go for the next best thing. Yeah, I guess they would have, they wouldn't have been as opposed to risk taking. Yeah. And there were more jobs available, too. Right. Yeah, that's the key. They had options. Um, this one went around on Tumblr. Millennials who are thriving have one thing in common. Do you remember what that one thing is? One th I, hmm. Who are thriving. I don't think, no, I don't, I don't remember that. It's rich parents. <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Wow. They have no loans when they graduate. A lot of them have trust funds and can just start yeah. out in a good position. Uh, their parents will help them out with mortgages or down payments. Yeah, must be nice. So the generation gap is not just uh, when we were born. It's definitely a financial mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, that is 
interesting how how dominated by the current state of things financially our lives are our entire generation we grew up in this whole vanishing middle class era where the you know the wealth gap and the income gap have both grown incredibly and continued mm-hmm. to grow so yeah that 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 follows completely um so this came from the chicago tribune so nice local paper we got as an yeah. op-ed it made me so mad <laughs> Uh, it goes back to the housing market. The title was Dear Millennials, You're Ruining the Economy, Move Out. Mm. How's that for a great title? That's that's wonderful. Like I'm just offended right out the door. <laughs> we are they're right though. We need to stop sitting on our vast amounts of wealth and start <laughs> using all of that. That makes us sound like dragons. All millennials are dragons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're uh sitting in our in our caves hoarding gold mm-hmm. which i mean to be fair our, our rooms are probably fairly cave-like true dark apart from the, the glow of a screen actually my mom refers to my room as the cave there you go okay uh devoid of piles of gold i'm going to assume though yes we're not hiding all of our gold under our mattress no but the part that really bothered me about this is that they they brought up these statistics and they said, well, you know, the majority of millennials are employed, so you should be able to afford things. And my whole thing is maybe when talking about millennials, you shouldn't look at unemployment statistics. You should look mm-hmm. at underemployment statistics. Uh-huh. Just because we have a job doesn't mean we can afford things. Yeah, our <laughs> I doubt our parents were uh, working at Wendy's when they decided to invest in home ownership. Yeah, definitely not. But I think also millennials are more likely to work part-time at anything, mm-hmm. whether it's their choice or not. You Just because it's something? or I think it's just because full-time is not available. Right, okay. So we're more likely to work two or three part-time jobs yeah. rather than get full-time somewhere, which is maybe where the job-hopping part comes in. Yeah, that makes sense, hopping between various part-time gigs and when all mm-hmm. of that money is going to student loans right or car payments or rent or you and know things like food that you might need to live all oh, right food i'm always forgetting about food food is actually the one thing i have no problem spending money on yeah um, all those posts going around tumblr with your um, astrological sign uh-huh one of them basically said Leos have no problem spending money on food. And I just sat there staring at my keyboard like, yeah, that's actually true. (laughs) You got me for once. For once. Yeah, those things are never accurate. No, not at all. (laughs) But they're fun. They are fun. Yeah. So does it feel weird to you that basically the whole economy is now starting to cater to you? Is it? What do you mean? Like... (laughs) That every company is coming up with a plan to market to millennials. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're, we're seen as the big untapped resource, right? I don't know if it feels weird. It definitely seems... Um, I feel really grossed out about being targeted by companies specifically. If they do it well, it's not by saying, Hey, you kids, check it out. We have Nintendos. 
come buy our stuff. Uh-huh. It's just going to be by doing what they do well and, like, recognizing real things that we actually need from these places and services. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I noticed it most when every company was playing up 90s nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that is specific to us. We're at the point where companies are creating new products specifically for our generation. Yeah. Do, That's do you have weird. some examples? I mean, just anything um, from the 90s. Any, like, uh, I mean, Throwback Thursdays is also a thing. And, you know, the fact that they're bringing back old franchises for movies, they're rebooting everything. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of that. I just don't feel old enough to be stepping into a world where things are about me. I'm not an adult yet. Yeah. that I understand that. The big thing that me and my sister always talk about is you're, you're probably familiar with the, the radio station The Drive. Yes. They play classics from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. We're thinking, what happens when stations like that become 90s and early 2000s stations? Oh, they are. Those exist. Oh, man. But does, like, <laughs> does, does 60s, 70s, and 80s music, like, start going away and start giving ground to 90s and 2000s music? I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And especially, like, mm. the hits of those. Those are songs we grew up with because our parents right. were listening to them still. That there's still music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s that I love. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think those are going to stick around, especially just because Baby Boomers and Gen X are still going to be marketed to. Basically because they're the ones making the decisions. Right. But I think they, they're going to be seen more as, like, the oldies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like they already are. Maybe it's because I'm so young. But, but like, what about a world where, like, we're in our 70s and 80s? <laughs> What's the music landscape like then? We will be clinging to our 90s pop. Oh, I hope so. It'll just be me sitting in a retirement home listening to like NSYNC and Britney Spears. Yeah. Oh, man. But then we're going to be playing things that we hear on the radio now. And mm-hmm. uh, our kids or grandkids are going to look at us and be like, that's so old. How can you listen to yeah. that? It's weird to think about, but I kind of can't wait for that just to see what what comes <laughs> see next. See what would happen. See how much we'll hate it. Yeah. There's um, an excellent moment on classic Doctor Who um, during the first uh-huh. Doctor's run, where one of the companions, Vicky, asks uh, the Doctor to pull up on this TV screen video. Well, they thought it was like real time viewing, but video of one of the Beatles concerts from the '60s. The other two companions, Barbara and Ian, that was the time they came from that was contemporary for them. This uh-huh. other companion was from much farther in the future. And she's like, oh, I love classical music. <laughs> and they were so offended. Oh, my God. I'm like, that's an excellent joke because that's exactly where we're going to be, you know, 40 yeah. years from now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I talked about this a little while ago. I don't remember which, where I posted it. But at some point, like, the patterns and fashions we're into now, they're going to be seen as, like, grandma stuff. Like, if you think about, like, what in your head, like, a grandmother's, like, bathroom or living room looks like in terms of decorating, 40 years from now, a grandma style is going to be things that we use now. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be all these grandmothers wearing, like... 
their tight pants and chevrons.、Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing that post that's going around on Tumblr that skinny jeans are going to be the mom jeans of the future. Yep. Probably not even that long from now. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't remember who actually like, tried to break the news, but they're like, bootcut jeans are back. They just、uh-huh. made this statement bootcut jeans are in. You need to start buying bootcut jeans. And there was this huge backlash. <laughs> Everyone was just like, no, I am going to wear skinny jeans until I die. Oh my God. Because your circulation will get poorer <laughs> and poorer. But it's like, what do you do with that extra space around your ankles? I don't know how to deal with that anymore. Yeah, that's true. I, w- I would definitely feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, sooner than we. Would like to admit the tide is going to turn against us. We are not going to be cool anymore. We're not going to be marketed to anymore. Ugh. I'm not ready not to be cool. <laughs> I'm not cool now. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I, really. Is there any other thoughts that you have on millennials or life in your 20s in general? Beyond the fact that、uh, they, we, have ruined the world irreparably, <laughs> as I. Kind of grow into what is hopefully a filmmaking career. I think a lot about、mm-hmm. how I want to portray certain things and certain like thoughts and, and feelings that I want to get across in、uh, my films. And one of those is fighting against this idea that technology is bad and that using a lot of technology is bad. Because I see that as the most pervasive thing. Like it spreads even to within. Millennials, like we shame ourselves for, like, oh man, it used to be、mm-hmm. so great in the past when we didn't have our faces in our phones. And,、yeah. like, yeah, we sure are bad for doing that. I'm, <laughs> I'm being a great person by shutting off my computer and reading a book for once. Man, <laughs> it just that, that really gets me. And, like, I, I would really like to shut that down. I would be behind that. I mean, I understand、cool. it in a certain way. This is why the nostalgia、sure. thing is so popular. We, have, we feel nostalgia at such a young age because the world moved so fast around us. Yeah. That、mm-hmm. what we experienced even just you know, 15 years ago when we were children is completely different、right. than the lives we have now and the world we're in now. Yeah. And I think part of that does translate to the technology. Like, we think, oh, our childhoods were so great. It must have been because we weren't on the phone, you know, we weren't connected to technology. And then we kind right, of、okay. turn that against ourselves. We feel bad if we're on the computer for a long time, or we shame people for texting in public. That's interesting. I never, never thought about it connected to our nostalgia before. I've read、mm. a lot on millennials by now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So that the rest of us don't have to. <laughs> Because every now and again, I will come across these articles and share them. Sometimes I just get really angry and I'll go off on this like, Twitter rant about them. I'm like, you know what? I want to make a career out of writing op eds that just rail against every other op ed about millennials. <laughs> like, yeah, can I make、yeah. a career out of writing articles telling you what millennials really are like? Yeah, you can start a, a, a separate, an entirely separate publication called, <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> Because I'm not doing enough, right? <laughs> yeah, you need more media to create. Yeah, so much for being the lazy generation. Yeah, right? So, I guess the thing to take away from this, and the thing that I really want people to take away from any discussion on millennials or humans in general,、mm-hmm. is that you can't 
just paint us all with one big brushstroke. We're different people. We are many faceted and wildly varying in our personalities and our interests, in our levels of laziness. <laughs> it's the thing that a lot of media always tries to do, and especially for marketing purposes. And sure, I get it, it's easy, but that also sucks. Again, we're a global culture. Right. We are made up of individuals. It's billions of specific people who all have their own right. diverse interests and backgrounds, and you need to take all of that into effect. Absolutely. We're definitely similar in, uh, you know, in the globally connected way, mm -hmm. but that, that really just cements our experience as a uh, generational culture that doesn't make any kind of statement about other uh, similarities that we might have. Mm -hmm. So sure, we might have shared a lot of the same experiences, but it hasn't necessarily shaped us in the same ways. How do you feel about targeted marketing then? Like browser cookies? Kind of. Companies like figuring that. out what your interests are, what your yeah. background is, what your experience is, and then kind of honing in on that. It's weird because it's just kind of there and mm -hmm. it works. It absolutely works because if they know me, they know how to target something and I will absolutely look at it. Mm -hmm. But then like I'm conscious of that process and how that's happening and I, I'm, I'm freaked out by it. <laughs> I don't like that they're doing it and I don't like that it works. Yeah, that's the hard part is I want to be angry at how much my phone knows about me. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, which because my phone knows so much, it makes my life easier. Yeah. And I can't be angry about it. It's gotten to the point where, you know, I'm not searching directions or doing this, putting it in my calendar, but I work mm -hmm. a fairly regular schedule and my phone recognizes, okay, at 8.30, she's going to leave this house and she's going to drive yeah. to this town. And then in the morning, it now tells me, hey, it's going to take you 25 minutes to drive here or traffic is especially heavy today you need to leave by this time to make it to work on time uh-huh like i never told you that yeah it's weird but i like that a lot i want to be mad but it has saved me so many times <laughs> Mm-hmm. absolutely there's um a function in google now on android phones that will give you your parking location because it oh. recognizes when you're driving and then when you're mm -hmm. not driving anymore and it just assumes oh. that the point between those two points is when you parked. That hmm. hasn't been useful to me yet because the train really confuses that, so it always <laughs> thinks I'm parked at LaSalle Street Station. But I'm sure that would be useful in like a metropolitan area, a city parking kind of situation mm -hmm. where you parked on the street and then you did a lot of walking and you're not exactly sure where you parked. I could see how that would it's be the... handy, but again... Yeah, definitely. It's tracking you. Right, yeah. It's the whole triangle of ease of use, privacy, and security. And you mm -hmm. can only have two. I suppose at that point I want ease of use and security. <laughs> right, which is kind of what it seems like we have. We have no privacy, but our, our data is secure, and it's, it makes things very incredibly easy. I guess the weirdest thing about being in my 20s and like graduating from college and just starting to do all these adult things. I've found that growing up is a series of uh, realizing that there's like no 
hard cut. Like, there's no, hey, you're an adult. Do this, this, mm-hmm. and this. It's a lot more cloudy and in flux. And it's just kind of, you do your thing. You're a person. And that's really weird. And the weirdest thing in over the next few months is going to be for the first time in, what, 16 years, not going back to school. That's a bizarre feeling. Are you feeling that right now? I've started to feel it, definitely, because there's just, there's nothing. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. It's like, it was this structure that was always a thing you did, and now it's like, hey, what do I go do? Um, whatever you want, slash whatever you can do. And that's very strange. Well, right now there's all these back-to-school sales, everyone's going to school, and then you Mm kind of sit back and you look at it and you're like, oh, I don't need to worry about getting school supplies or putting together a schedule. I don't need to go to school. Yeah, it's the weirdest thought. There's, there's, there's nothing. There's just nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There's just this void... Called life. The only tasks left are don't die and try to be happy. So what is the next task for you? Trying to find a job in my field. Trying to find Mm -hmm. a place where I can use my degree and a place that hopefully will be fulfilling, at least partially for a time, until I'm ready to do something bigger. That is the dream. Uh, Otherwise, it will be whatever can throw money at me. All right, so at the end of every episode, we are going to go over our adulting wins. You can be as big or as little as you want, as long as you were proud of it and you felt like an adult. Yeah, okay. I did some work for the company that I'm interning at, and it was uh, work outside sort of the expectations of the internship. And so they'll, they were like, we will pay you to do these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to uh, send them an invoice For the thing that I did. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, (laughs) So I found out (laughs) just what I had to do. And I sent them an invoice for work I had done. And then time passed and a check showed up for that work that I did. (laughs) So that just sounds impressive. You just use the word invoice. I'm like, that is an adult business thing. Right? Yes. (laughs) The word invoice is a very impressive adult word. (laughs) Very nice. My adulting win is actually from today. Um, we have what's called librarian in charge, where when the director okay. or assistant director are not in the building, they basically nominate somebody to be in charge for the night or for the weekend. And okay. anything that happens, whatever problem it is, no matter what it is, you are the point person. And this morning I got trained to be librarian in charge. And they gave me a master key that opens every door in the building. Oh, man. That's that's big. Yeah. Is it slightly larger than all of your other keys? It looks pretty much exactly the same as my department key, which mm. gets me into my office, but it is considerably okay. shinier. Ooh, okay. Better be. Like, my other one is just this dull silver. This is like mm. a glittering, beautiful gold. I'm also imagining that uh, it came on a rather large key ring, like this, like bigger than your fist size key ring, <laughs> the kind that, say, a medieval dungeon master would use. Yeah. When I hear the word master key, that's what I think. Well, when we did the training, um, the assistant director who was training me, she's like, yeah, you know, it comes with a lot of responsibility, and you get the key, and you get a tiara, 
I'm like, I get a tiara? <laughs> she goes, well, we're all yes. out of those. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. The the head adult, you were in charge of a building. And anything can happen in a public library, believe me. <laughs> would not be surprised. What projects of yours would you like to promo? Well, there's my my YouTube channel, Vlogneegan, which can be found at youtube.com slash If people want to follow me to see what I'm working on, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm at EganWorks, and I'm on Tumblr as uh, the works of Egan. The other thing would be uh, EganWorks.com, which is like an all-encompassing portfolio thing. Everything is kind of connected through EganWorks.com. Well, thank you for talking with me tonight. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I'm especially happy that you are here because, as I've mentioned to you in the past, you have public radio voice. (laughs) Yes, I'm glad that I could provide. You just have a really good voice for podcasts. Yeah, I hear that a lot. When I was still like in college and like the communications and everything, and I would tell people, oh, I'm in communications, they were like, good. That's where you need to be with that (laughs) voice. If you ever want to come back and talk to me again, you are more than welcome to do so. Cool. Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. Thanks for listening to That Adult Feel. Our guest this week was Mike Egan. You can find him at eganworks.com. That's E-G-A-N works.com, where you'll find his blog, short films, and links to his social media. If you like what Mike creates, you can support him on Patreon at patreon.com slash eganworks. If you like what I create here, on the podcast or on the blog, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash thatadultfeel. One of the perks of becoming a patron is getting to hear longer episodes, including a segment I had to cut out about librarian horror stories, one of which includes a man pooping everywhere. When I said anything could happen in a library, I was not kidding. If you like the podcast or just want to hear more crazy librarian stories in the future, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. That Adult Feel can be found on Tumblr at thatadultfeel.tumblr.com and on iTunes, Blueberry, Player FM, TuneIn, and really anywhere you want to take our feed. You can get the full information on where to listen at thatadultfeel.tumblr.com slash listen. If you want to find me elsewhere, you can find me at howtogrowthefuckup.com, where I give advice on job hunting, apartment finding, how to do your own laundry, how to buy your own groceries, how to communicate with those around you, and how to generally just get by as an adult. You can also find me on Twitter at HGGTFU. Our theme song is Ray of Sunshine by Addict Sound, and the lovely melody you are currently listening to is Beautiful Morning by Esther Garcia. Thank you again to Mike for joining me this week, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in for the second episode. Come on back in two weeks when I'll be joined by Casey Davidson. We're going to be talking about our worst jobs ever and how millennials, statistically, just have more of those. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks again, and have a great week.
hey, you're an adult.